Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware com/deals. That's alienware.com/deals. Hey, this is John Ridley and this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline, and welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today, a lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our guest super producer, Casey the Quake Pegram. So everybody say hello to him. And most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. A groundbreaking episode in a number of ways. Oh, earth shattering. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's our first. It's our first time getting back together after the uh, in the new year Mm -hmm. after the relatively arbitrary end of uh, December 2018. I mean, just that's just me going out of my way to be disrespectful to the Gregorian calendar system. <laughs> you can, yeah. You which can, is a man-made thing. It is. that We've discussed on the show. Well, they oh, yeah, they say it's, uh, it's uh, the anniversary of our obsession with arbitrary time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think Hallmark's going to put some cards out that just say that, right? Nice. But in yeah. Co- yeah, you can almost breathe now, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I went out outside... Like last night and the night before, and you just can not breathe because of all the leftover smoke and stuff that's in the air from all the fireworks. And it's weird because overnight, everything outside looks like Blade Runner now. Yes. (laughs) It's it's crazy. (laughs) It just switched. (laughs) It really does. Like that meme that was making the rounds in December, reminding everyone to dress in Blade Runner appropriate clothing. Mm -hmm. So unlike Blade Runner and unlike the Gregorian calendar, earthquakes – like that segue, are a natural phenomenon. We didn't make those up. They've just been around. It's kind of like, I don't know if we talked about it on the show before, but do you ever, Noel, I know you hate birds, but I, I, I walk around sometimes in these, our modern days, and think, you know, have we as humans really figured out things of significance. I mean, sure, we can put stuff into space, but birds can still fly around and shit on anyone whenever they want to uh, because you only have an umbrella if it's raining, and we also can't do much about that. Earthquakes are kind of like that. They're kind of like uh, a Mother Nature's way of reminding you that you can get shit upon at any given point, you know, unless you're on the moon or something. But earthquakes 
have been around. They've been terrorizing humanity since before the dawn of recorded history, right? And it comes about because the planet appears to be a stable surface. We even have cliches about it, figures of speech, uh, like a rock, right? The old Chevy campaign. Oh, like a rock! <laughs> yes. And and the thing is that this is misleading because the planet, as I'm, I'm sure many of us know, is not a stable surface, not remotely. It may look like it's a stable surface, kind of the way that everyone looks like they might be cool and chill on the first date. But then once you get into the layers, you see this is a complex network of interacting catastrophic traumatic forces. Am I saying that Am, am I comparing dates to earthquakes? Maybe. I don't know. 2019. We're, we're all figuring it out together. They certainly <laughs> both have the potential for some bumping and grinding. Hey, there we oh. go. Good save. And it's weird when you think about how strange and upsetting these things have been. Um, have you guys ever been in an earthquake? Did we talk about this on the air before? Well, there was apparently one that everyone felt here in Atlanta the other – like a couple weeks ago. But I slept right through it. Yeah, it was and in my, the night. My kid – Woke up and told me she had a dream about an earthquake, which was kind of weird. No way. So maybe she made it happen with her dream mind. Super empath over there. I've never been in one, but I was in San Francisco recently and we went over the Bay Bridge. And on the radio, as we're going over this huge bridge, they're discussing how it was the anniversary. It was in October of this massive earthquake in 1989, I think, that actually flattened part of that bridge. Like while people were driving underneath it. Yeah. It was a... Ugh, really, really horrifying to think about. Yeah, I've never been in a major earthquake, which I guess, guess go me. But it's <laughs> a, uh, but I have been when I was living abroad. Earthquakes were more common than they are here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was I was freaked out. I was just eating um, breakfast with a host family, and then everything just sort of jiggles yeah. like that. I'm shaking the table, everyone. Everything jiggles just just for a little bit. Nobody else loses a, a, a skips a beat, right? Really or loses a step. Yeah. And what was the was the structure really sound that you were in? No, it was were? just a small one. Oh, okay. It was just a little little shiver, a little Central American shiver in the soil. And uh, then they explained to me that that wasn't anything to get excited about. That probably wouldn't even make a decent landslide. Jeez. And the idea that it was rated as a decent landslide is also strange. But these things have been around. And we'll talk about how people win the dark lottery that is an earthquake. But this might surprise some of us to learn that although these things have been around forever – or much longer than people, we as a species didn't really start understanding what causes them until maybe like maybe a century ago we started. And it's true way back in the 1300s and other periods of time, uh, there were inventors who had figured out ways to detect earthquakes, right, detect seismic disturbance, but we didn't really understand why it happened, much less were we capable of developing technology to measure the magnitude in a significant way. And today's episode is about the latest unexplained seismic event, because spoiler alert, we still don't know near as much as we thought we knew about earthquakes. And Matt, this is something that you hipped us to off the air. Recently, there was a global wave of earthquakes that somehow rang the earth like a bell, right? What, what, does, what does that even mean? I mean, I guess first things first, if we want to figure out what happened recently, we have to understand what an earthquake is. And luckily, we are affiliated with a website called How Stuff Works. Yeah, and <laughs> that writes articles about these kinds of things. We're also remembering a lot of this from our physical science classes. That's right. That's right. Noel is going off uh, solely physical science from what is that? Houghton Mifflin. <laughs> is that the? They put out the textbooks. Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it may have been a different company, but I know they did a lot of them. It rings true, just like the Earth was uh, not long ago. So technically, an earthquake is just that. It's a vibration that travels through the Earth's Earth's crust. That that thing that we walk around on every day and pretend like it's completely stable and everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And and like we've kind of discussed, earthquakes can be caused by all kinds of different things. Everything from if a meteor happens to travel, you know, into the Earth's atmosphere and then impact with the Earth's Earth's crust, you will get a nice earthquake that will also end a lot of uh, 
lives probably, if not the entire human species. It can also be caused by volcanic eruptions that are occurring beneath the crust and, and sometimes as a part of the crust. And it can also sometimes be made by man-made things, you know, mine collapses, underground nuclear tests, which is a topic that we've discussed before. There's a lot of technology trying to get those. Fracking. And fracking. That's the big one. Mm. Even saying it sounds like it's a bad thing. (laughs) It really does. Oh, but here's the thing. Most naturally occurring earthquakes are caused by this – the Earth's crust itself, when there are these moving pieces of the Earth's crust called tectonic plates. Mm, now, there's really getting back to that physical science class. I confirmed it. Houghton Mifflin did make physical science books. <laughs> oh, good. Mm-hmm. They're still in print, new editions every year. It's a racket. It's beautiful. It's not – it's it's awful. Well, there's Macmillan. <laughs> <laughs> Macmillan's huge. That's true. Macmillan's also big. But don't you remember like the whole idea, like the, the textbook racket, how it's like, you know, you have to buy it from this exact company. They got like a monopoly on them. Oh, anyway. no. That's a whole episode probably that we should do. I think you're right. So, so plates. <laughs> so plates. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's just keep going. Scientists didn't come up with any real solid theory that explained exactly what an earthquake uh, was or what caused it until the mid-1960s. And they call this theory plate tectonics. There you go. So here's the gist. Earth has a crust, which you mentioned earlier, Matt. And people who want to sound authoritative or accurate will call it the lithosphere. Oh, those accurate, smart people. (laughs) Usually because they're seismologists. You know what I mean? And they probably think crust is for cake. I don't know. If you're a seismologist, write in. Uh, This crust is not a single seamless shell. Instead, it is composed of layers of plates. And these things every day are sort of bumping into each other while they float on this lubricant layer called the asthenosphere. And all the hijinks seismically speaking, in the world, on the planet, happens at the boundaries of these plates. Sort of the way, since I'm just doing terrible comparisons for 2019, apparently, uh, sort of the way that a lot of the really crazy stuff that happens in many countries happens at the border towns. You know what I mean? That's mm. And the, these hijinks take a number of forms. We don't want to get too into the weeds here, but just so you have the gist. First, there's something called the divergent plate boundary. Plates might move apart, allowing magma, aka molten rock, to reach the surface as lava. And this stuff, once it reaches the surface, cools and adds to the crust, essentially functioning the way that caulk functions, filling in the space between tiles if you've ever you know if if you've ever laid tiles somewhere yes and then there are convergent plate boundaries which is pretty much the exact opposite of that where at the boundary of two plates they are kind of squishing together and that's when you can get mountains formed where a lot of volcanic activity occurs that kind of thing um, it's literally pushing up. Volcanoes too, right? Yeah, and and also sometimes pushing down like it's kind of weird they just they've you can imagine all the different things mm. that that two uh, very strong and heavy things do when they push against each other. And very insistent forces. Yeah, they can subduct, right? Mm-hmm. And that creates mountains. But for our purposes today, the next category is the most important. It's where two plates sort of slide by one another. Like two ships in the night or two trucks on an interstate just sideswiping each other very slowly. And that is what is known as a transform boundary where energy builds up in the region between the two plates and that forms a fault line um, or a break in the Earth's crust where blocks of crust are moving in different directions. And I'm already picturing the beautifully color-coded image from that physical science book where it has big fat arrows going in either direction and the plate pieces, one in purple and one in like red, kind of overlapping each other and like grinding against each other in different directions and that's what creates that fault. In a weird way, this one is the scariest to me for some reason, and I don't know why. I think it should be the the one where the plates are actually moving away from each other because that's in my head when you get the lava coming out, when you get the hole opening up with a fissure or something. Mm-hmm. But the, this, these two, if you've ever seen the images in – I believe it was in Japan during the, the last uh, major tsunami that occurred there where you can actually see parts of the street – that are doing this movement, like mm-hmm. moving in parallel next to each other, that for some reason terrifies me. Yeah, we're we're talking about fault lines, right? Mm-hmm. And 
the majority of earthquakes, not all, but the majority, happen along these transform boundary fault lines. And there are some – there are different types of fault lines. There are different types of seismic waves. But again, this is just the gist. This is just what we need to know. That's, that's how an earthquake works. So how many quakes are we talking? And this is where it starts to get pretty interesting because the U.S. Geological Survey estimates that there are as many as 1.3 million quakes with a magnitude greater than 2.0 on the Richter scale. That's the threshold at which humans can feel the vibrations. Stuff less than that might really freak out your household pet. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, this 2.0 is where you get to the legit – people's spider sense goes off for it. And there are 1.3 million of them. Which is pretty nuts, right? Yeah. I, did, I, I guess because we only hear about the real, the, the real terrible ones on the news that we, we have a lot of these pass without ever you know, registering on our radar, so to speak. So in general, the majority of earthquakes are not going to be particularly powerful. They're also not going to last for very long at all. Even the catastrophic ones, strong ground shaking during a moderate or large earthquake lasts maybe 30 seconds, 10 to 30 seconds. And then after that, after you, you, know, you shake up one part of the, of the earth, other parts around it start to shake as well. So then you can have timblers and you can have aftershocks and things like that. And most of these things, these aftershocks can happen for like weeks or months later, but you probably still won't notice them because, again, most earthquakes are not very powerful and many, many, many of them occur in the middle of nowhere. I always thought the word timbler sounded like a cute, like diminutive earthquake, but apparently they can be quite catastrophic as well. What is it? That is true. A timbler. Timbler? Yeah. Or timblore. It sounds like a speck of thimble. Sounds, you know? like, sounds like an app. It just sounds cute. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it's a big deal. And like you said, Ben, it's, it's a chain reaction and it all depends on the magnitude of the first one, I guess, as to how bad the aftershock and the other mm -hmm. things that it causes later will be. Yeah, and we are enormously fortunate too that most earthquakes are so very small. And it's this brutal lottery, you know, the, in case of the rare quake capable of touching a population center, it can destroy the city in minutes. Just like you were talking about, Matt, with the, with the um, road moving in different directions, things that should be solid appearing fluid for even a moment's time, you know. These things can wreak enormous amounts of property damage and more importantly, they can claim thousands of lives and we have some statistics about that as well, I think. Oh, yeah. Over the last decade alone, uh, earthquakes and then the tsunamis, avalanches, landslides that follow because of these earthquakes, they've killed over 688,000 people around the world. That – that's insane over the course of 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, arguably the most lethal quake in history had a magnitude of 8.0 and this one occurred quite a long time ago in uh, in China in the Shenzhen uh, province in 1556 and you can imagine the structural engineering has come a long way since 1556 um, and just the devastation that occurred when that 8.0 struck that that city. It was close to a million people. Yeah, mm -hmm. were killed. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I just can't can't imagine in one fell swoop. And they didn't expect it too. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it was the earth itself attacking in a way. Ugh. That's a poetic way to put it. And it's interesting, Matt. Like you mentioned, San Francisco, and especially in places that are more prone to earthquakes, they build out their infrastructure with that in mind, like houses on stilts and things of that nature. And that's probably not something they would have even considered at this time. Yeah. Right. This this is about several hundred years after they built maybe the first early earthquake detector, which looks really cool. It's um, – it, the way that it works is if certain parts of the world shake, then these balls roll down into this dragon's mouth and it points in whatever cardinal direction that the catastrophe occurred. Whoa. But they didn't know how to build something that would withstand an act of the heavens, right? Mm -hmm. And the survivors adapted as best they could. There was one scholar who survived the quake 
and later provided us what may very well be the first earthquake preparedness advice in history. He said at the very beginning of the earthquake, people indoors should not go out immediately. Just crouch down and wait for chances. Even if the nest is collapsed, some eggs in it may still be kept intact. Yikes. I mean, it's, it's eloquent, but it's also frightening. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it's counterintuitive mm-hmm. as well. And, and again, I've never experienced it personally, but my first instinct would be get out into like open land where there's nothing above that me. fall on you. But then you have to imagine trees and all the other buildings and especially if you're in a city, just all the things that could be falling on you and debris and – The ground opening up beneath you. Yeah. Yeah. Or landslides, mudslides. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's the science. And those are the stakes. So let's fast forward to the morning of November 11th, 9.30 Universal Time. Quick note for everyone, Universal Time or UT is the modern version of Greenwich Mean Time. So uh, 9.30 Universal Time, 9.30 a.m. would be 4.30 a.m. here on the east coast of the North American continent. So these seismic waves begin roughly 15 miles off the shore of Mayotte. This is a, a French island that's kind of sandwiched between Africa and the northern tip of Madagascar. Uh, you can look it up. It's a cool-looking little place. Uh, the waves just started buzzing across Africa, and there it started ringing sensors all across the earth in Zambia, ding, at least ding. in this area, Kenya, ding, ding. Ethiopia. Ding, ding. They traversed across the oceans. They were humming all the way over to Chile, all the way to New Zealand, to Canada, even Hawaii, nearly 11,000 miles away. So just this one tiny place on earth just starts. Well, that's a really good sound effect. Kind of a gurgle. <laughs> but here's the thing. Unlike the earthquakes that we've talked about with these waves that you can feel, and again, the waves versus what you can feel can be slightly different depending on the frequency, but they didn't just, you know, ding and, or and go by. It lasted for over 20 minutes, 20 minutes of this. And here's the thing. Not only was no one hurt by this event or no one hurt during this event, no one knew it happened, at least that is until a lone Twitter user noticed the odd signal on the U.S. Geological Survey's real-time seismogram displays and this set off another chain of events. No. (laughs) All right. Seismologists around the world tried to figure out why this quake was so unusual and how it happened. So what did they find? We will tell you after a word from our sponsor. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Here's where it gets crazy. No one knows. Yeah, still, right now, nobody no, knows. Nobody knows what happened. So this uh, this occurred on November 11th, again, November 11th of 2018, and uh, as of right now, we're in 2019. I guess it's not that far of a runway, but we don't, we still don't know what happened. And we've been studying these earthquakes for a while. We have very sensitive equipment across the globe. Like we said, it was noticed in all these different places, but we're still in the dark. So, yeah, one of the reasons we're in the dark is that this quake is unusual. It had several strange attributes. Not only did it last for a cartoonishly long amount of time, it also did not behave like any other known quake. In a normal earthquake, these built-up tensions, again, along that transform boundary, right, uh, these built-up tensions in the lithosphere release with a jolt in seconds, just And this sends out a series of other smaller pops, a series of waves known as a wave train, which sounds like something way more cool, doesn't it? Yeah, I love it. Um, A wave train is not this awesome car in an Amtrak line. It's it's the series of seismic waves that radiate out from the point of wherever this rupture occurs. Like uh, ripples in water. Like ripples in water. That's excellent, yeah. And we have descriptions from seismologists like Stephen Hicks at the University of Southampton who he breaks down the order in which these waves occur. So the fastest traveling signals are the ones called <laughs> – they're called the primary waves and uh, the – the seismologists call them the P waves, I know. Um, but they move in bunches, like what happens to an extended slinky when you suddenly push it at one end. Yes. You, know, you can see that wave occur. And then they're, you know, the wave chain continues. Yeah. Then you get secondary waves or S waves. And these have more of a side to side motion. Um, and both these two, the, the primary and the S waves, have relatively high frequencies. And Hicks describes them as a sort of ping rather than a rumbling. And after that, then you have these slow, kind of longer period surface waves that show up. And these are the ones that most closely resemble the signals from Mayotte. Yeah, which is weird because there's no big earthquake, right? They're supposed to come third in line. Yeah. No, here they are again just sort of happening. It's they, a, little, yeah. a little irritating to scientists, right? Well, yeah, because you get, just get these surface waves all of a sudden. What, what the hell is happening here? Guys, mm-hmm. anyone? Go on Twitter. Hey, what's this? And then just a Twitter storm occurred. <laughs> right, exactly. What the hell is going on? Is there no order to this chaotic <laughs> and uncaring, inexplicable universe, right? Seismologists weren't grappling with um, – philosophical quandaries uh, of that nature they were they were more focused on figuring out why this thing is happening right mm-hmm. and now we're at the point where there are several theories some that are more plausible than others and we can we can walk through some of these uh, they get increasingly <laughs> exciting uh, one what about a meteor what if it what if a meteorite uh, somehow caused earthquakes initially scientists searched the region around this this island to see whether there was any evidence that a non-terrestrial object could be the culprit behind the quake. So far, no one has found any compelling proof. So this theory, while it has some sand to it, uh, can be safely dismissed. 
and I guess in a way this could make sense, I guess, to someone theorizing about it mm-hmm. because you don't have those the those P and S waves that are associated with that quick jolt, right? That's why this one was thought to be possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Just because I guess if you had the surface waves of – or the surface, literally the surface of the water mm-hmm. being impacted without that deep cracking, uh, uh, I, I, I guess that makes sense. That makes sense to me. But so, again, not that. <laughs> yes, not that. They said, what if it were not an act of uh, nature in its random, you know, infinite monkeys typing on infinite uh, typewriters sort of scenario? What if somehow human beings are responsible? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Scientists tend to, to want to take care to not accidentally veer into bananas conspiracy theory territory. But um, the – the way these waves behaved, the regularity of them was quite extraordinary, mm-hmm. quite remarkable. So you see that long, low-frequency grumble is kind of punctuated by a series of high-frequency blips, signals, it turns out, that have very regular intervals like this often tend to be artificially generated. That's just how it is. And yeah, uh, as you're reading about this event, because you can find it in in places from – uh, Gizmodo to Big Think, they are they discuss how these tiny little pings occurred, uh, and as as Noel was saying, like clockwork. It's just if you're looking at the waveform, mm-hmm. it's it would literally be as though someone is playing an instrument or hitting something, or a mechanical device is triggering at an exact time. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, and it's spooky. This is. Kind of a matter of interpretation, but it is – it feels way more uh, plausible or way more probable rather that this is somehow uh, man-made when you hear it. Yes. You know what I mean? It sounds similar to machinery in Ugh. terms of the intervals. But but our species has been fooled before, right? We have – we first – we have to admit we have found no evidence of heavy industry in the area, at least nothing that people know of so far, right? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, we have encountered other natural processes and phenomena and objects that have the appearance of regularity. When pulsars came out in the <laughs> – were discovered, I guess <laughs> is a better way to say it. When pulsars were discovered in the 1960s, People were convinced they were generated by intelligent life. Oh, hands down. And even looking at a pulsar now, it's like, okay. But really? You're going you're gonna to make that light exactly that many times at, at, mm-hmm. at that rate? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because pulsars, you know, rapidly rotate and they have this kind of lighthouse appearance and the flashes seem to be on a regular calculated um, – Frequency, right, or interval. So the original source of pulsars, when it was discovered, they were called LGMs, which stood for little green men. So we've been fooled before. This still could be some. This still could be a natural phenomenon, rather than you know large scale fracking or something. So there's no evidence of something man made that's large enough to produce this kind of global event. That we know about. That we know about. That's correct. So what if we look more closely under the water? And for that, we go to the French Geological Survey or the BRGM. And uh, it's closely monitoring the recent shaking. And it suggests that there's a, a new center of volcanic activity that may be developing off the coast of Mayotte. Because Mayotte was formed from, uh, from volcanism or volcanoes, <laughs> volcanic activity. But the, the volcanoes in this area have had just – they haven't uh, erupted in over 4,000 years. So basically the thinking was, well, perhaps – that's not the first go-to just because it's been dormant for so long. Mm-hmm. But the BRGM, again, the French Geological Survey's analysis, it suggests that this new activity may point to uh, magmatic movement offshore. And we're talking – we're not talking like take a few steps. We're talking miles uh, from the coast under thousands of feet of water. Oh, oh, Matt, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. I, I have to interject because this is one of my – I propose this be the word of the day okay. for our episode. That was some people may have thought that you were mispronouncing magnetic, but you're not. Oh, you're saying magmatic. Yes, magmatic. It? What a great word. 
Yeah, buddy. Uh, ma- <laughs> magmatic. Mm, I like volcanism too. Volcanism, magmatic. Yeah, I think the reason a lot of people get into the science of this stuff is because the names are so cool. Just mm-hmm. fun to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So if this is the case, then well, here's my question. First of all, um, if they haven't erupted in 4,000 years, doesn't that mean they're due for an eruption, guys? I mean – I don't really know how it works. And you think they could predict it. They could see if there was something where, – where's all the lava, right? Yeah, exactly. Where's the lava? And if you think about some of the things we've discussed in a slightly different capacity but with um, – oh, what the hell am I thinking here? The uh, the super volcano in the middle of the United the States. The Yellowstone caldera. Yes. In a, you think about that when you're talking about that interval of time, Noel, where it's been so long, we're just waiting for it to occur. But also it's the, – the margin of error here is in terms of geologic geological time. Right? Ah. So we are but a blip. Yeah. We, are a, uh, we are an awkward thought in the very fleeting ephemera of uh, Earth's mind. So this is when we see another proposal. And so folks at the ENS University in Paris say, hey, maybe it's not a meteor. Maybe there's magma draining from a site somewhere and it's caused – and it's magma draining from an, a subterranean reservoir – and when the magma is moving, the reservoir is collapsing and this is causing quakes. And they looked at the GPS data and from that they said, OK, we think this kind of thing might happen if 0.3 cubic miles of magma all moved at once. Or they said possibly sea monsters, the eldritch dead and <laughs> dreaming beast from the darkness between the stars slumbering until the constellations reach a predetermined position. Not kidding. Scientists did propose that. Multiple people actually. They did some kind of eldritch beast. Pretty sure they were joking but you know, what would the show be if we don't include that part? Yep. Yep. And speaking of the weird out there stuff, we did save – the best theory uh, – sorry, I can't speak for everyone. In my opinion, the best theory. Oh, no, no. I'm right there with you, Ben. Oh, Concur. Great. Oh, great. We saved the best one. Then we're unanimous on this. We saved the best one for last. Learn all about the Vortex after a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy – well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Wait, the Vortex? Cue dramatic music. The Vor 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 Tech 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 Techs? Back in 2013, WikiLeaks released an article alleging that a mysterious vortex opened over the Gulf of Aden, just off the Horn of Africa, which created catastrophic weather in the early 2000s. So like a, like a portal? Mm-hmm. Just like a portal, mm-hmm. but a vortex a in vortex. this case. Yeah. A- but this is what we're talking, WikiLeaks. Right. Yeah, WikiLeaks did release this. It was according to a... Report allegedly prepared by an Admiral Maximov of Russia's northern fleet for Vladimir Putin. What they said was in late 2000, the specific year 2000, there was a magnetic vortex that was discovered in this area that you just described, Matt, in the Gulf of Aden. And according to the story, Russia, the People's Republic of China and the USA joined together, cast aside their paltry human differences to study what was what this vortex was and they discovered that it defied logic and the laws of physics this sent the world the conspiracy sphere uh, kind of like the lithosphere i guess mm-hmm. on fire and with the recent reports of odd events near mayotte more theorists are resurrecting this story and who can blame them it's a great yeah. story dude it, dude the cover story from the government mm-hmm. was that all of these uh, navies were joining forces to combat Somali pirates. That's true. Yeah, that's true, which is strange when you think about how much firepower that would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, to fight a vortex or whatever was going to emerge from the vortex. And that's, yeah, you've you've stumbled on it. So people have also connected this with something called the Norway spiral or Norway Mm -hmm. vortex. Uh, And people started, um, I guess, pretty quickly people began bringing aliens into the picture, right? Yeah. Because why else would these geopolitical adversaries or at best frenemies cooperate? Yeah, there's an alleged connection to Jupiter, uh, which is which is fun about uh, one of the large storms that's on Jupiter and the vortex showing up when the storm on Jupiter was reemerging. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not correlate those two things together just in my own independent research, but it's it's been discussed about this. Yeah, and there are other um, earthquake-related things too. Oh, yeah. So we know some of these things are true. Weather manipulation is a real thing that occurs. China regularly practices this. Uh, Other countries have certainly dabbled with it. The U.S. uh, engaged in weather manipulation during the Vietnam War. For some people who believe this vortex exists, the world powers are cooperating to combat weather-related shenanigans. But the people who spice this up with claims of extraterrestrial or even interdimensional contact uh, allege that world governments in secret have been able to contact or confront something not of this world. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we probably didn't confront something from out of this world because we would be squashed like a bug. I don't know, man. Front or get fronted, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but we're just... Mostly throwing iron and different metals that are just propelled at high speed at these things. So. It's true. We don't have any really cool stuff yet. The explosives, I guess, are Well, I mean, possible. if you detonated a nuclear weapon, you would. it's kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know what I mean? You'd find a, a seismic activity, some seismic activity, though. That is true. That is true. And you will find reports that say uh, 41 earthquakes or 35 earthquakes occurred in a 24-hour period in the Gulf of Aden and also a ton of uh, military vessels and commercial vessels are in the Gulf of Aden. It's, it's a huge shipping lane for the world. You know what I mean? But yes, 
But there's also one major problem, right? What's that? The location, location, location. That is, okay, yes. <laughs> yes, that is true. So the Gulf of Aden is a seven-hour plane flight away from Mayotte. So while it could be considered sort of in the region, sure, it's not nearby. You don't pop over to the Gulf of Aden to, you know, pick up milk. I, I don't yeah. know. Well, you know, unless you're in some kind of vessel – that is mm-hmm. interdimensional in nature or can travel faster than light or even just travel extremely, extremely fast mm-hmm. and travel underwater, um, maybe you could get there really quickly. Yeah. What is really happening at the Gulf of Aden? And where did these reports come from? So WikiLeaks has been associated with legitimate stuff. The way they release it may have some sort of angle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but – what what they just I guess a better way to say it is WikiLeaks definitely has its own agenda, and they do they do display editorial bias in the way that they release certain things and hold other ones in confidence. Mm-hmm. But usually, when they release stuff, it's true or it's written in what it's written by someone who believes it to be true, right? Yeah, and and it was a this was part of a strat for email, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, a leak that came from the global intelligence files. Okay. This occurred in 2012, February 27th. That's when this specific email was, uh, was released with, <laughs> with the subject, huh? Mysterious vortex warned it's creating, warned is creating global weather catastrophe. Yeah. So for context, Stratfor is a intelligence Platform, publisher, kind of subscription service. You can also get some free emails from them uh, that was founded in Austin, Texas. And they report on geopolitical stuff, a lot of statecraft and a lot of things that would be helpful to multinational corporations. Yeah, and specifically weapons companies are right. built into this whole thing and intelligence and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where can, where can you get the best price uh, selling guns? Things yeah. like that, honestly. Or where where are markets unstable? And so, of course, they would be concerned with these weird reports. I know what a lot of us are thinking. Did this email come out on April 1st? No. <laughs> no, it did not. First thing I checked. <laughs> well, it was from a website called uh, com, And, I mean, it was, a, it was a news story at the time. But here's the thing. The source that was being like mentioned in this email that was sent or found within this leak, mm-hmm. uh, that's really what we're talking about here. The person that wrote the article or at least provided the information for the article. Yeah. There's another conspiracy here. This is, uh, this is an author or propagandist or group of authors or group of propagandists going by the handle Sorcha Fall, which sounds like a cool name from Star Wars. It really does. But they're they're known for putting out this this kind of bogus mm-hmm. again, it's propaganda or just disinformation or just headliney or grabbing headlines that are completely false or at least based on this tiny little morsel of truth and then just nothing. After. Okay, so I'm with you. Yeah. But question. Yeah. To what end does this story of some strange vortex over the Gulf of Aden help or hinder Russian operations? If it really is, if it really is some sort of propaganda, I mean, have you read the it's essentially lore at this point, yes. right? So I guess the best way to say it is do we all remember the film Stargate? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So Stargate uh, the the villain is also the love interest in the crying game. <laughs> Correct, right? right? Uh, so, so Stargate. Uh, the gist of Stargate is that ancient civilization was founded by extraterrestrials who possess a gate that lets one travel through time and space in an unorthodox, much more efficient manner. A stargate, if you will. And for some people who have looked into the Gulf of Aden, what's actually happening in their interpretation is that the U.S. has found or created uh, or resurrected some sort of thing like this, some sort of passage to other dimensions or to distant places in time and space. 
several – like this is very closely related to the idea that the US invaded Iraq to find a Stargate. Did you ever hear that one? Yeah, I loved that. I loved that theory. That was so much fun. Again, th- for me, these are so exciting and I don't know. Op- they reawakened the kid in me that watched the X-Files uh, you know, before going to bed and then had – Glorious dreams and nightmares about the monsters that mm-hmm. you could find within or the aliens and what they would actually be like. Um, but unfortunately in my mind, to my mind, mm-hmm. that's what this is because we're still talking about seismic activity that occurred in a place that is a seven-hour airplane ride from this other place uh, that allegedly maybe had something weird going on with the vortex that some propagandists wrote about. Okay. Yes. Totally <laughs> true. Also, I, I think I'm pretty biased here. Uh, I'm just going to say I've never been to the Gulf of Aden. Okay. Same. Yeah. All right. That's Who knows? fair. Who knows that's what fair. they get up to around there? That's fair. It might be Stargates all day, man. It might be like a, a mall that is also a Stargate so that you can get Pretzels. I would, yeah. I would picture the Stargate would be sort of in the center where Santa Claus usually sits. That's a good where you call. have to wait in line to yeah. go through the Stargate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either yeah. that or like an anchor store, you know? Also, oh, yeah. It's I think you're right, man. It's basically wherever they put the Santa is where they would put the mm-hmm. Stargate. <laughs> and to be further fair, I think it's safe to say that all of us are just – Holding our breaths until the ancient uh, ancient ones come back, right? Uh, I, will, I, I personally will welcome them with open arms. Yeah. yeah. And pledge my allegiance to them instantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll only exist for a few seconds, but those seconds will just no, be glorious. not if I pledge my allegiance quickly <laughs> enough. You think so? Yeah. You got to okay. know the customs, man. All it's, right. Like what, what is considered pledging allegiance, you know? What if they communicate by smell and the first person to just rip an obnoxious fart becomes like their – Human, Deputized? Yeah, they're human de- liaison, <laughs> like Le Petalman, the professional French flatulence. These are all very important things to consider. <laughs> These are all very – we want you all to go into this prepared. Uh, it, it's true though. This this Stargate theory sounds wild. The Gulf of Aden isn't really that close. But there is that report from WikiLeaks and even though the Stratford people themselves seem pretty – I don't know, dismissive of it maybe. They, they're they probably dismissive because they couldn't find any other source to yeah. confirm it, right? Or they couldn't find any source that existed independently. It all ultimately goes back to this Russian report. And still, it doesn't explain this earthquake, this series of earthquakes, this thing, this uh, low-key rumble that is not supposed to happen this way. With the weird metronomic – Mm-hmm. Clicks. It's kind of like the bloop. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, the unexplained noise that I think ultimately people, no one conclusively solved it, but people did seem to think overwhelmingly there was the sound of ice moving in a in a glacier, right? Yeah, but I don't believe that for a second. You think it was? You think it was an eldritch? Yeah, it was something that goes. God. <laughs> so. <laughs> At this point in time, it looks like the most plausible explanation for the strange global shiver, let's call it, is the underwater drainage of a massive amount of magma. And reading the descriptions of this, I don't know about you guys, but it made me think of when people talk about popping or draining a zit or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Is is this uh, earth an earth zit? Like under the skin? What's it called if it's under the skin and it hasn't popped yet? Subdermal something? Okay. I don't know. There's a name for it. Hematoma. Yeah. That's it. No, that's not 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 right. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not a doctor, but that's not it. So so it looks like this may have a mundane explanation, but that's not a guaranteed cause. And at this point, as we record this episode, we still don't understand how this happened the way it did. And that's very, very important. Because you know what happens when there's a lack of transparency and a lack of clarity. Colin Rittman comes along and he's like, he needs more time. He needs more time to finish that video game. Holy crap, you guys. You know what a a, a zit under the skin is called? What? It's called an underground pimple. (laughs) (laughs) An underground pimple. An underground pimple. (laughs) Well, we've solved that mystery conclusively and thank you, Noel. 
in the case of the global seismic event, until it can be proven that there is a definitive answer to this mystery, questions are going to remain. And fringe researchers will continue asking whether this is just an oddly well-organized earthquake that has a great sense of rhythm (laughs) or if it's evidence of something else, something they don't want you to know. But I don't know, man. What do you think? I want it to be a Stargate, but I'm pretty sure it's magma. I'm pretty sure it's an underground zit. Yeah, it's it's for me. It's that one piece of the puzzle that the rhythmic nature of of the one the uh, the one set of frequencies that's just like making that weird mm. little boop, uh, boop, monochromatic. Boop, I think monochromat monochromatic. Wait, monochronomic. Chronomic. Well, what is how does that work? Is it in terms of sound? Yeah, monophonic. No, I mean monophonic just means one voice at a time. It doesn't. There's not. Yeah. It only happens as a single instance, not stacked like chords or whatever. You know, monophonic mm. just means a single tone. Yeah, that only monosymphonic sounds at its on its own. It doesn't have, It's never like yeah. joined by other sounds. There you go. But it's weird, right? This thing is weird. Yeah, it's not. It's, doesn't sound the way an earthquake is supposed to sound, and it doesn't move like one either. It's not cool. Not cool at all. I think it's super cool, man. <laughs> I think it's probably just PAX, you know, P-A-X, hanging out down there. K-PAX? No, just PAX. It's a demon. Pac-Man? It's a demon that you're supposed to worship. Pac-Man's a demon. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, program and Control Man. Know. Have you seen that? Have you, have you guys seen Bandersnatch. the Bandersnatch show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Conspiracy <laughs> realist. Let us know what you thought of that. He, little, he, escapes one, he, he escapes out the maze one way only to come in on the other side. That's right. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good voice of that kid. I forget his name, but he's excellent in that movie. See you later. He's also in uh, Game See of Thrones. Around. Yes. Uh, you can let us know uh, your opinion of Bandersnatch, the <laughs> possible secrets of uh, unexplained earthquakes and more by finding us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's it. Yeah, we're, we're Conspiracy Stuff and or Conspiracy Stuff show. You'll figure it out. If you don't want to do that, come join us on Facebook and hang out. And here's where it gets crazy. That's our our page where we all get together and discuss things like this. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you believe or hey, don't believe. Hey, Matt, don't we have a phone number? We have a phone number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. Call us. Leave a message. You might get on the air. And hey, do us a solid. Give us a nice review on iTunes. Only if it's a nice review. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, stay away. <laughs> As uh, Thumper's mom said in Bambi, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say nothing at all. That, impl- that applies to internet reviews. Yeah. Of our show, at least. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you would like to follow us personally, we each have our own Instagrams. I am, I think I'm at Ben Bolin in a burst of creativity. Nice. And in a carryover from my uh, sad boy kind of goth band days, my uh, Instagram handle is at Embryonic Insider. Nice. Mm -hmm. And I don't have one. So enjoy. (laughs) You do so. (laughs) Follow my stories uh, at Kim Kardashian. uh, That's you. Guy. That was you the whole time. I don't know. I I don't really do. I don't do one that's outward facing. Okay. But anyway, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show on that old awesome website. Check it out. Facebook owns everything. If you don't want to do any of those things, just send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.